Hello, and welcome to Bijou Banter on KRUI 89.7 FM, Iowa City, Iowa City's alternative radio station. Here in the, stadi- here in the studio <laughs> with me is Philip Runia and Emily Stagman, and I am Calvin Leslie. Welcome to the Thunderdome. <laughs> oh, absolutely. It's the Dimmodome Thunderdome. <laughs> And today we are going to be talking about one movie, and then we're going to be trying something new for Bijou Banter. So hopefully y'all enjoy. Uh, So first we're going to be talking about Wreck, which is a horror movie that played for Horizons last Tuesday. Um, It is directed by, by the way, it's Spanish, so I'm definitely going to butcher all of these pronunciations. You gotta do better. Or just go into the butcher business. (laughs) I would try to not butcher it, but I have a feeling that like... I would still butcher it, and it would somehow come off as, like, more offensive. It'll just be even sadder. Yeah. So uh, it is directed by Wame Balaguaro, and it stars Manuela Valesco as Angela. Okay. It, it is about a news reporter who goes into a building with a bunch of firefighters, and it turns out there are zombies in the buildings. And that's really what happens. From then on out, it's a horror movie. It's absolutely terrifying. It is. It's very scary. Very uh, gory. It was very gory. It was pretty yucky. Mm-hmm. Clean up on an aisle that entire building, I think. Right. I was expecting it to be more of a possession type thing, especially with how it started, given the first, um, I don't know, crazed person that mm. they encountered. Um, I thought she was just possessed. Conchita? Yeah. But nope. Took a big twist after that. <laughs> And like, even though it was gory, it was, it didn't seem excessive to me. There were definitely moments where I I was watching it and I had to turn away because it, there were pieces of people's faces missing. Mm -hmm. I don't know if it's just me that has a problem with that. (laughs) Right. Admittedly, I may be super desensitized to the whole thing because, I mean. Kids these days. Yeah, I know. (laughs) But, um, I don't know. It seemed like realistic ish gore oh yeah it seemed almost like a video game like if you, especially with the handheld camera oh yeah like sort of like what is it hardcore henry is that the one yeah it's like very yeah. first person and yeah running around the camera's not stable and, and then... you only ever see the cameraman one and a half times you never see his face you only no. ever see his back and right. i should and mention to continue with my streak of not properly introducing the film it's a found <laughs> footage film so that's important. They found this footage. Yeah, it's 100% real. That's why the IMDb page lists actors and directors. Yeah, it's a documentary. Mm-hmm. But like, what do you guys think, or what do you guys think of like found footage in general and how this movie like works with all of that? I liked how they tried to um, make it seem more realistic um, in in that there was a reason for the recording because mm-hmm. um, they kept repeating like, oh, we have permission. We have to film this for the show. People need to see this. People need to see this. Um, we're not going to stop recording. Like the policemen and the firemen tell them to stop recording. They even try attacking them to get them to stop recording. But they they keep doing it and they keep saying, well, it's this is newsworthy, obviously. <laughs> and like um, half of her lines are, keep recording, Pablo. No matter what, record everything. Right. And so... That can be, it became a little obvious in some places, especially with that quote. Yeah. Um, but I think it's served as kind of an explanation as to why this, this footage exists, fake or not. Yeah. And even though, like, at times it become 
like towards the end it starts to become more of like like it seems more constructed towards the end especially when they're like in like the last sort of if it were a video game like stage and they're like meeting like the first zombie and they're still holding on to the camera but even then they like come up with excuses for why they're holding on to the camera mm-hmm. like there's a light on it and it has night vision whereas something like the Blair Witch Project is just like they're recording it because they're we recording gotta. it that being said, like apparently the very end portion where it's entirely um, like in the dark, it actually was like they just they turned out all the lights and the actors didn't know what was happening. Oh wow! Which Seriously. I gotta say, it sounds like some sort of OSHA violation. But yeah, <laughs> I mean, I could kind of you could kind of get that by the acting, or maybe it wasn't acting in that scene then. Um, just true genuine fear of like you could only see through the what camera. did I just touch? Yeah, yeah, exactly. When she freaks out and she's like, "Get away from me!" and he's like, "It's me. <laughs> I'm trying to help you." Come on. It that is like an interesting ethical line because like I don't know. It doesn't seem like Stanley Kubrick levels of cruel. Oh no, and I'm I'm sure that they were like in on it. Yeah, but at the same time, like that's legitimately terrifying. Right. Especially when like the final shot is her like getting dragged oh backwards God. into darkness. Like, and she's signed up to do two more of these movies. Mm-hmm. That rocks. It's very paranormal activity. That last mm. that last scene. Yeah, that last scene did a thing that a lot of like modern horror movies do that I'm not a big fan of, where it tries so desperately to like explain what's happening yeah the pope said die and i'm kind of a fan of that <laughs> that that was pretty cool <laughs> the whole i, don't I, know, I the was sent by the vatican and they just conveniently found the right spots on the tape every mm-hmm. time they were rewinding or forwarding yeah when like really we all know what a zombie is we don't need yeah. like a whole thing about it with it's everything that had happened up until that point you think they'd be able to put it together <laughs> Do you guys classify these, I don't know, monsters as zombies? Or do you think, I guess, in today's perception of zombies, are are we still following that sort of path in this film, I guess? I think they that was very confusing to me because they tried to do the whole like biological virus slash rabies thing, especially mm-hmm. with bringing in the dog and talking about that. Um and then how everyone had to be transferred by like saliva through like saliva to blood bite type thing. But um, I'm not sure they kept that up convincingly towards the end because they started talking about like possession and with that girl that um, the professor biologist or whoever yeah. was supposed to have the penthouse apartment um was like doing experiments on that girl. Yeah, and then, and then, like with all of the enzymes sort of experimenting exactly. with that. And, and so like, they tried to combine like paranormal with um, biological and that kind of convoluted it to me. Yeah, I don't know. I sort of interpreted that like they didn't know what to make of it, so they assumed it was possession mm-hmm. when in fact it was some sort of biological right. thing. Okay, that makes more sense. Could you say <laughs> that they were possessed by a need to know? and i guess that's classic like frankenstein trying to mess with biology and then making it worse because i think the doctor was saying that he was trying to cure her and then or depossess her is what he thought and then Mm -hmm. it turned worse and he was like i have to either kill her or keep her here he was like yeet yeah so he just locked the door and left i guess 
As with all weaklings in zombie movies, he didn't have the guts to do what was necessary. Right. Gotta kill your creation, man. Really quick, a point of confusion for me at the very end. Um, the person whose enzymes that he was like experimenting on, that was like a little girl, right? Yeah. yeah. And then there's a little boy up in the attic? No, yeah, I was confused as to why the little boy was just kind of gone after they no one saw the camera saw him. No, like that was that was the little girl, I think. No, because the little girl was the huge, tall creature thing mm. that came wandering out the whole big of naked the back thing. room. But she was lying down in the attic, right? There was someone but laying on the on end their of face. a different hallway. Like they came away from that that trap door, like that that um would go up to the attic and then the girl came down this long hallway that they were they went in this other room to hide and then yeah, they he was were, like wait there's something down there. There was a boy actually in the attic and then she was just already downstairs question mark. I don't know. I feel like the implication of that was just that she could get out and about and that's how the old woman got infected mm-hmm. or how the dog got infected. Or maybe she was just like she somehow got into the system for the shower water. And as the shower water was coming down on the old, old lady, she was, she was just, you know, spittling. <laughs> One thing that I think they did really interestingly in this movie is like the dog dynamic because it was transferred through yeah. saliva and the dog like gave it to a little girl, even though the dog never bit her. I mean, dogs kiss people's faces all the time. Exactly. Like and, I thought and that by was kiss, cool. you do mean gravely injure. Right, right. <laughs> Biologically adjust to you (laughs) yeah i thought i thought it was interesting how it took how long it took the little girl to morph um she was normal throughout the entire time but for some reason the two policemen like changed almost immediately i thought that was weird and like the older woman i assume that that's because they contracted it directly through the bloodstream Mm. oh meanwhile for Mm. her it was just like skin contest Calvin the right, because she had that little sore. She had those like oh, kind of cold sores oh, around yeah. her mouth. That would make sense. She also had like red around her eyes and all of that. Yeah. Man, this movie is really well put together. Yeah. yeah. As with most movies that are shown at Bijou. Wow. <laughs> most. <laughs> Sometimes we show bad things just because you, you got to put those things on a stage. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's there to laugh at. Yeah. <laughs> This is pretty well done for like a, a, what would you call this, a B-horror movie? I would say it's a B-list horror movie. Yeah. Like it's not, it doesn't have a lot of the aspects that I would attribute to a horror movie or a B-movie, but like it's definitely not like an A-lister. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's for sure. And it really is brilliant. I liked how, um, how the, how crazy um they made the uh the people seem in like the um and the asides like because these people were there to like to do journalism right they were mm-hmm. trying to get the story of the firefighters and then afterwards they're trying to get the stories of the people that were um locked inside this building quarantined and um i liked how they made them seem like just so like crazy but normal like 
it was crazy how normal they were. Yeah. <laughs> like they were so flustered and they were fighting with each other and like like the old couple, that was adorable. Like they were trying to talk over each other and like, no, no, this is what happened. No, 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 this is what happened. No, no. This... Where do we live again? Yeah, exactly. And then there was also just the whole like, she was interviewing the daughter and the mom was saying something off screen mm-hmm. and the interviewer was just like, hey, can you not? It's just that we can't see you and so can you not? And I, and I thought like, that was funny. Sorry, sorry, yeah. Sorry. She's like, okay, your interview. And she's like, okay, sorry. <laughs> Doubt it, but fine. And I feel like those asides did a lot to, like, build character in an interesting way. Because, like, a lot of things use asides, like The Office or Parks and Rec and stuff, where it's used, like, most of the time for a punchline. But, like, especially that one guy who it turned out was, like, super racist oh, towards right. Chinese yeah. people. Yeah, that was, like, whoa. <laughs> but, like, they still managed to, like, not make him like endearing as a human, but like make us not completely despise him. Cause like at the beginning, like after he goes on like this rant about Chinese or are they Chinese or Japanese? He says he Chinese. Okay. I think he asked the question if they're Chinese or Japanese mm, at yeah. one point. But at he the said end... they were Chinese, but they were speaking Japanese. He said later on that they spoke Japanese, which I think just speaks to like again how he didn't know. He didn't care to know. Yeah, but like at the end of that whole rant, he's like, all right, now let me know when you're starting. And I thought that was like a really <laughs> we great did. way to humanize like a total jerk. Yeah. He's like, oh, let me get my good side. And then he's really uncomfortably facing basically away from the camera. Mm-hmm. That's all. That is our good side. Facing away from the camera. <laughs> the back of my head. Much easier to... To act if you're not looking at the camera. Yeah. Right. What did we think about the acting in this film? I thought it was really good. Yeah. I was impressed with... Um, so child acting is just kind of one way or the other with me. I either think it's awful <laughs> or, or it's pretty darn good. And I think the little girl in this film did really well. Um, especially even after she became a zombie. I felt like she was more composed as a zombie than the adults were. <laughs> Like, for a minute, I definitely was like, okay, is that an actual child, or did they somehow build, like, a model of this child just because of how, like, poised the whole, like, situation was, I guess? Mm-hmm. I do feel like part of, like, the reason her acting came across as so good was she didn't have a whole lot to do for the first half of the movie. Like, she was very much in the background. Mm-hmm. And then, like, at the end, I feel like it's very easy to, like, tell a child actor, like, okay... Now go off like you're a zombie. And then they go, ah, okay, I can have fun. (laughs) Right, right. All right, we're going to take a quick break for a PSA, and then we'll be right back with more talk about Rec from Bijou Banter. Hello, and welcome back to Bijou Banter. Uh, We are still talking about Rec, which played at Horizons last Tuesday. Um, One of the things that I thought was interesting in this film was there, like, was a final girl, but there wasn't a final girl because the main character... Like is technically the final girl, but because it's not like a like classic slasher movie, a lot of like the traditional like tropes with how gender is sort of manipulated aren't followed. So I was wondering if you guys thought there actually was a final girl or not. Well, she dies. Assumedly, assumedly hmm? she dies. Actually, I looked at, I did some digging. She doesn't die. In Rec 4, she comes back. It turns out that the little girl just put like a worm inside of her. Now she's the carrier for the virus and isn't affected by it. 
So she's rescued and is then on a boat. I did a lot of digging about these movies. They get weird. Dang. Sounds like a different movie night that we definitely need to have. Yeah. Can we do like a whole series just of like wreck movies and end it with quarantine? (laughs) Absolutely. But yeah, um, I've liked how she did have a lot of agency throughout the film. And I think the, I guess to go against the trope, the character wasn't necessarily after her, or the zombies weren't necessarily after her. Um, it was more of a community thing. And so I thought that was cool. Can you elaborate on that? Yes. So... <laughs> um. There was no, like, the zombies didn't really have motive. Mm-hmm. Like, they just were attacking everyone. So it wasn't... Indiscriminately yeah, hungies. Like, they just want... Yes, exactly. They were just hungry. And so they were attacking, like, everything in sight. And so while Manuela was the main character, it wasn't, it wasn't as if she was... Um, it nev- the film made it seem never made it seem as if she was the one that was going to save the day or like she was the one that had to solve all of this um it it puts the responsibility on a lot of different characters um kind of at different times so especially manu yes exactly like the firefighter that makes it through mostly to the end um and the physician or whoever that comes in mm. who's supposed to explain all of the um, stuff about the virus and he's supposed to cure people with his syringe and all this stuff um, the policeman that was kind of a hothead but he was taking control and like giving directions and everything uh, so there's a lot of authority figures in this and um, uh, Manuela becomes kind of one because she is directing the camera but and she's kind of narrating this for the larger audience within the film's world, mm-hmm. but she's no, we never... don't even know if it actually yeah, exists. Exactly. Like they, they say, this show is called While You're Asleep. Is there anybody watching it? Yeah, <laughs> who's up to watch it? But yeah, she's never singled out as um, the person who's gonna like solve the mystery and save the day. And um, while she doesn't cover the tape at the end, um, it's it. The film doesn't set it up that way necessarily. It, it definitely mostly just feels like, well, she was just the convenient person that made it upstairs. Mm-hmm. Anybody could have found this tape. Right. And kind of the whole film is about her being in the wrong place at the right time. It really is because like, in a lot of the shots, you can just tell that like, herself and Pablo are like in the way of everyone around them, which yeah. I really enjoyed. As, as someone who is similarly always in the way of other people. Especially towards the beginning when they were trying to get um, the shot of the old woman in the hallway. Like, the policeman and the fireman kept turning around and they're like, what are you doing? Like, go back get up. Like, out of here. Yeah, turn around. I feel like that's like the funniest part of the whole movie, especially because like towards the end, like everyone's just like, oh, you're recording this again? Your funeral, buddy. And they just like ignore it. But at the beginning, right. they like basically slap the camera out of his hands Mm -hmm. yeah (laughs) it's okay though man she had permission to film and she's willing to show you her permits that i'm sure that she has on hand 
there were no ethical quandaries with the filming of this documentary whatsoever. Absolutely. No one died as a result of zombieism. It's fine. Don't question it too much. Technically, no one did. They were all brought back to life. Whoa. I wonder how long... I wonder what the... um. Like, what the parameter is for, like, sustained injuries for these zombies. Because the old woman gets shot a few times. Then she gets, like, jammed in the head. But, like... <laughs> Which was that... kind of really funny to yeah, watch. Yeah, it was. Um, Just, like, complete silence after a big old bap. But it's, like, how are you not going to die after getting shot a bunch of times, but you're going to die after getting hit in the head? I'm sure she comes back. That did seem to be where the rules that otherwise are, like, pretty well laid out and, like, interestingly used in the film, like, sort of stop working. Because, like, traditionally, like, a headshot kills a zombie, yada, yada, yada. But, like, they definitely shoot her mm-hmm. in the head. Maybe it's like a cat. They've only got two. Two lives. <laughs> two, two lives. Maybe it wasn't a headshot. It was just a face shot. Oh. Maybe. Through the cheek. As someone who read the Zombie Survival Guide a couple mm-hmm. of times in my edgy middle school years, incredible. I can tell you Lore that sometimes unlocked. it goes through the brain, but doesn't destroy the part infected with zombieism, and therefore you need to do it again to make sure that the brain is no longer functioning. These are one hundred percent true facts, people. So yeah, now that you learned that about me. Um, <laughs> One, like the other thing that I think this film did really well is isolation in horror. Like mm-hmm. it makes everything that are usually like these very like sort of forced in tropes, like found footage and like zombieism and stuff. Like it made it feel very natural. Like the fact that they're quarantining off like this whole building like made sense and it completely isolated them. And I felt that worked really well. I liked how it played with isolation, too, um, because a lot of times in horror, like, there's one person that knows what's going on, mm. and no one believes them until the end, and, like, they're everything, they seem to think that they're crazy, or and they're the only person that understands, um, but this kind of, even though everyone was locked in this building, everyone seemed to know that something was wrong. <laughs> no one was doubting that anything wasn't wrong, Um and they were very clearly like understanding that they were being lied to by the people that were holding them there. Um, and then once they know what's wrong, like a bunch of them band together to fight. So I liked how even within their isolation, they they kind of built a little community, and there wasn't it wasn't um, it wasn't every man for himself. Yeah, and by following Manuela, who um, was like the journalist who's like basically going around and interviewing everyone. Um, she was able to sort of dive into like these little cliques kind of where it's like oh she's with the firefighters and the doctors and the police now but later she's going to be talking with all of the residents and so there's isolation but there's also um, I don't know there's this very specific grouping that they go through especially with um, the scene where um, Pablo Pablo is uh, sort of craning the camera into this other room to see what's going on. And uh, Manuela is on the other side. She can't see anything. And then 
in the room where his camera is pointed, there's like this whole mini surgery kind of going on and they're trying to handcuff these zombies and then everybody starts getting attacked and everybody starts screaming and Manuela is just saying, what's going on? I need you to tell me what's going on over and over and over. That was freaky. And he's like, you don't need to know. Just run. <laughs> Get out of here. But like he kept telling her to like be quiet, even though like she kept being loud and no one cared. That that definitely irritated me where he would be like, hey, can you please be quiet? And she would be like, Pablo, Pablo, what's going on? Pablo. Right. Especially when they get to the um, to the penthouse mm. and she's like breathing super hard and like clattering stuff around. It's like maybe if you stopped moving. <laughs> I don't know. That and was it, it's very... super frustrating to me because it's like I would like lay down on the ground mm. under something or like. Yeah, it, it, it's very reasonable because, like, it's a very scary situation. And so it's definitely, like, we're just being armchair buttheads about it, I guess. Mm -hmm. But it's still, like, from a bystander's point of view in this documentary, it's like, okay, please be quiet. Please, like, stop doing this thing where you're very obviously in the way. And I'm sure that some, if all of that was planned for us to have felt right it's almost it's a lot like the don't go upstairs moment mm. which they did do they did go upstairs <laughs> which was multiple times yeah that was another moment where i felt like it was a little forced where they were like on their own again and they could run down or they could run up like there are zombies down there but they also know there's no escape upstairs and it felt like i mean you can go down and you can try to get out, but okay. I don't know. That, I still felt, was a little forced. But other than that. I feel like they definitely could have just peeked their head, head out of like a window that wasn't being watched so stringently, grabbed a knife, carved a little hole in that um, like plastic wrap that they contained the building in, which I thought was a really nice touch. Yeah. Uh, that, that was like attention to detail. And then, I don't know, just hop out that way? Right. I don't know. I was super confused about the whole quarantine situation. Like, I don't know. At the beginning, it's really weird because it's just like, okay, we've chosen this one random building to close off with no explanation. Mm -hmm. Then I think they say that it's because of the chip and the dog. Yeah, eventually they say that. And then she's like, is the dog's name Max? And it's like, dun, dun, how did you remember the dog's name? Right. Because it was told to her by a cute little girl. An adorable little girl. The only things that I listen to are when people who are adorable little girls say them to me. That sentence was busted. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Try uh, again. <laughs> All right, we've got a couple minutes left for Rex, so anything else you guys want to talk about? The gore seemed pretty realistic. Like, as far as horror movie goes, um, or as far as horror movies go, the blood seemed really realistic, mm -hmm. yeah. and the flesh stuff seemed really realistic. The skin. Yeah. I think it um, helps that the camera was so kind of hectic and... Um, just kind of being flown around a lot of the time and shaky, but uh, yeah, I think they did a really good job with the gore, and it was never like too excessive, which again, I think the camera style like helps with that too. 
Yeah. It's not focusing on it for too long. Absolutely. And, like, I looked up the trailer for the American remake of this movie, Quarantine, which looks terrible based on the trailer. Because, like, it looks like a shot-for-shot remake, but the camera, like, despite still having that shaky quality, like, it's clear they didn't... Like, they thought of it more as found footage and less of, like, we can still, like, set up these shots to make them, like, look nice, Mm. if that makes sense. Like, the scene where the woman's, like, running down the hall at the fireman, instead of, like, being decently well-lit and, like, available for viewers to, like, see, it's, like, half dark. You can't see Mm. the woman. And maybe that's just the trailer, but... Well, I, I think that might just be, like, an American thing, too, to lean into this, like, if you can't see what's happening on the screen, then you must be peeing your pants scared. Mm-hmm. But, like, I don't know. I think a zombie woman is way more terrifying than an implied zombie woman. Mm. Right. And I liked how she, I liked how all of them were kind of docile until you got too close. Um, like, yeah, she didn't look friendly, but, like, she just kind of looked scared. And, like, oh, you, you don't like, want to, like, go ass. get coffee with her? Oh, I'll pass. <laughs> just a little blood coffee. <laughs> All right. So that'll wrap up our discussion of wreck, mm. and we'll get into the weather right now. All right. So now we are going to move on to a new thing for Bijou Banter. Bum, 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 bum. So hopefully it's fun and it's really cool. Uh, it is called The Trilogy. Emily, would you like to introduce us to what it is? Yeah, I'll try to do that. So a new thing that we're going to be trying on Bijou Banter this semester is we will be taking two different films that we've previously discussed. So things like One Child Nation that we discussed earlier this month. Um, We've got Honeyland. We've got Tongues Untied that we discussed last week. We'll take films like this. We'll each, we'll probably put it to a vote and we'll choose two of these films. And then one of these films will act as the first in a trilogy and the other film will act as the third in a trilogy and then we have to magically come up with the second in the trilogy to try to tie these two films together would you like to tell them what movies we will be talking about today so today we will be talking about her wait hereditary and honeyland yes yes which we talked about on the podcast but for all of you online listeners which i assume makes up everybody except (laughs) emily stagman's mom um, (laughs) hi mom uh we forgot to record that because that was somebody and by somebody i mean mine first time running all the equipment so i forgot to press the button you're doing pretty good though you started recording about six minutes before we came on today yeah (laughs) really really on it that's the first time that's happened (laughs) uh and yeah so hereditary is a horror movie you've probably seen it honeyland is a documentary about bees in uh Place. Macedonia. That's the one. So <laughs> Honeyland is a documentary about a beekeeper in Macedonia who has to deal with um, the sudden new neighbors that she gains. Um, and they kind of proceed to ruin her life. So that's fun. And then what is Hereditary about, Philip, for anybody who hasn't seen it in this time? <laughs> Hereditary is a... Hmm. Very interesting horror movie, actually, about um, this cult that's kind of uh, it's kind of following this family. <laughs> um, this family has a has a son and a daughter, and 
The mom makes dollhouses, which is super creepy. Are they dollhouses um, or are they just miniatures? I don't even know. I think she does miniatures for like companies. Mm. Yeah. Um, But yeah, she's going through a whole grief process from losing her mom, but turns out her mom was part of this weird cult that wants to make this demon come alive and uh, manifest in the real world, and she needs uh, her son to do it. And so the grandma kind of reincarnates as the daughter after the daughter dies, but as the daughter's spirit, and the grandma and the daughter start haunting the house, and the son finally eh, goes like quasi crazy and he definitely breaks his own nose yeah and then um the mother also goes quasi crazy tries to do this whole possession thing to get in contact with the daughter and then a whole bunch of mess happens (laughs) (laughs) a whole bunch of mess hell yeah so the two things that i think link these movies the best are insects which both have Mm -hmm. which is not my idea i believe that's your idea philip or your idea yes there's a lot of weird flies which are associated with death um yeah ants and stuff and and just rotted stuff (laughs) um but yeah there's uh a lot of dead insects and a lot of 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 live insects that surround dead things in hereditary and in Honeyland, I mean, there's there's bees, live and dead bees. Not the bees. Not the bees. And um, also, which one's going to come first? Oh. I think I would say Hereditary. Really? I was thinking maybe Honeyland, and then it just gets darker and darker. Hmm. Could see that. Well, why do you say Hereditary? I would say Hereditary because these... Crazy insects that um, that kind of they're swarming around this little girl's body. Mm-hmm. Who the process of her dying is very curious because she uh, gets spoiler gets decapitated. Um, the bees are by, very confused. Yes, by hitting her head on a pole. Um, out the window of a car that her brother is driving um, as she's being asphyxiated from an allergic reaction. And so her hitting her head on the pole was interesting to me because there's a symbol on the pole that is the same symbol that belongs to the cult. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's how, coincidence or not, that's how she um, is then kind of linked with her grandmother um, to haunt the house and their family. And so there's a shot of all of these insects kind of swarming around Charlie's head, Charlie's little girl in Hereditary, mm-hmm. swarming around her head and kind of just in her flesh, um, just all around. And then there's a shot later of the grandma um, after she's dug up out of the ground um, by assumedly the cult um, and put inside the house to kind of assist with the haunting and just freaking out the family. Um, there's a bunch of bugs around her, too, swarming and going around and inside her body. Um, and they open up the attic to kind of see where the body is, and all these bugs come, like, flying out of there, and it's all disgusting. Um, but with all of those bugs, um, kind of, they're, they seem associated with the haunting and with the possessions. Um 
to the linked quality of the girl and the grandma, right? They're, mm-hmm. they're there. <laughs> Bear with me here. <laughs> they're there, right? And so um, with the bees in Honeyland, the bees kind of have their own death and life imagery. And so the neighbor's bees are the bad bees. <laughs> they're the bad bees there. <laughs> and the bad bees uh, go in. Um, they end up killing the the nice ladies' bees, the Jesus bees. The good bees. Yes. You know, the I hear bees. they're the bees' knees. Exactly. And there's a shot in her or there's a shot in Honeyland of um the bad bee kind of swarming around the a dead good bee. Mm-hmm. But the good bees the good bees do come back, don't they? War never changes. At I the mean, end. she finds a stump and then they cut down the stump. But then she ends up going back up into the mountains. And then yeah. Some... She has to get like a whole new set of bees. Yeah. yeah. She has to get new good bees. One thing we might want to consider is grief plays a role in both of them. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. in Honeyland, her mom dies. And then like hereditary. Notably, her mom them. dies at the end. And in Hereditary, her mom dies at the beginning. Mm. Wow. Bookends. So the question is, is this... <laughs> Is this a spiritual trilogy, or is this like a direct? Mm. You know? I kind of want to tie it in directly. All right. Who's related to who here? Yes. I, I think Tony Collette and the Honeyland Beekeeper, whose name I cannot recall. I think it's Hatiz. Hatiz, I think so. Hatiz. Yeah, that's the one. Hatiz, eh? I, I don't know if any of them need to be related. I feel like I feel like Hatitsa could like No, I figured they would just be like sort of the same character. If that makes sense. Yeah, I was thinking of Hatitsa more like Oh, later in life. Mm-hmm. Goes from making miniatures oh. to making um beekeeping. Now we're to making bees. Making bees. Making you, hives. Y'all ever just make bees? She becomes so obsessed with insects because She's scarred of the oh my goodness of the insects that she saw around her daughter's head and body. We're neglecting one very important fact: Tony Collette dies at the end of Hereditary. Not necessarily. <laughs> she um she slices her throat <laughs> in the attic. Well, she stabs it repeatedly. She doesn't slice it. She stabs her throat with these knives or whatever. Mm-hmm. But then she's seen scrambling up the treehouse to bow in front of her son. I mean, True, she but did. She's <laughs> She's headless, but... I guess my vote is Honeyland, middle movie, hereditary. Middle movie, hereditary? No, like, Honeyland, comma, middle movie, comma, hereditary. Oh, got you. In the middle movie, she recovers her head. Mm. <laughs> That's oh, the whole oh I got movie. it. I got it, you guys. All right. She loses her head. And... Don't we all? Her family, the cult, they have to get away with the murder somehow. They can't just have all these dead bodies in this treehouse. And so they ship them off to Spain <laughs> to be buried under this house. Um, and that's why she has so much bad luck in Honeyland is because she's living over these dead oh, bodies? No, 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 no. They, um, they ship her off to Spain and, and then... Uh, where she gets bit by 
the zombie dog. The zombie Zog. dog tries to feast on her the dead Zog. body. The Zog tries to. Oh gosh! Oh, I was watching Disenchantment last night, so <laughs> Zog. But anyways, um, the, uh, yeah, the zombie dog bites her, and so she reanimates, even though she was dead. Her head grows back, <laughs> and then, and then she decides to. But at this point, she has also had worms in her body because she was dead oh, for worm? so long. And so the worms allow her to become a carrier for the virus, but not actually And then the she can also do the worm. Yes. I need this. Wait, are you connecting this to Wreck, too? Yes. And then she... <laughs> so she... A quadrilogy. So she reanimates um, and decides to have another daughter. Mm-hmm. And while she's reanimating, might I just add, um, the entirety of the music video for Thriller takes place. Right. She decides to have another daughter and then move to Macedonia. And then her daughter takes care of her and her oh. daughter has bees. Because, and I, I, there is a link to this. Just bear with me, guys. There's a link to this. The mother has like some sort of like degenerative like... I don't know if it's a skin Something thing or oh, a you're face right. thing. Her face is covered and like she has to, the daughter has to, Hatitza has to kind of tend to her and like clean her wounds. Mm-hmm. But you never really know like what's wrong with her. Zombie, zombie mom. It's just Zom. the virus is kind of leaving her system. And that's and why so the she's, mo- sorry. And that's why she dies at the end because she's, she's lived too long. She can't, she can't do it anymore. That's why the mom doesn't like to eat honey. Yeah. She's a zombie. Mm hmm. She needs flesh. Very civilized zombie because she's oh aligned God. herself with the lord of H E double hockey sticks, which I'm not sure if we can say on air or not. Maybe. King Paimon. That's the one. Hey, Now, hear me out. The mom ate the neighbors, they never moved away. <laughs> <laughs> What if before that, because the neighbors were messing with all her honey, she put a curse on them so that the cows dying wasn't the kid's fault, just like the kids said. It was actually Hatitza's. What if the mom was sneaking out at night and just like spittling <laughs> on everybody? And that's why the... She spittled on the bees. Yeah. She spittled on the bad yeah. bees. She didn't want to eat the honey. She was like, I don't want this honey. <laughs> and then the bees ate their own honey, went crazy, started stinging the neighbors. The neighbors start going crazy, start ruining Hatitza's life, and then start killing the other bees. Oh, killer bees killed the other bees. And then that's how World War Z happens. Right. Are there insects in World War Z? No, but there's zombies. They should be. Now there are. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, there's probably an insect somewhere. Brad Pitt is an insect. There's the connection. (laughs) We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we'll be talking more about the quintilogy that is... Well, think of a title. Yes. All right, see you in a sec. Hello, and welcome back to Bijou Banter. Uh, We're still talking about the massive cinematic universe that we're creating based on Hereditary, Honeyland, Wreck, and everything. Uh, so now we need a title for the movie where 
Tony Collette has a daughter and moves from Spain, where she starts wreck, to Honeyland. So what? How? What? Okay. Sentences. Queen of the hives. I. I feel like to me it has to start with an H. That's true. Also, is it mm. Honeyland, or is it Hereditary Wreck Honeyland? Mm-hmm. Okay. She's got to get. She's got to become zombified. I don't know. I feel like it's Hereditary, insert movie, and then there's like a spinoff, and that's Wreck. Mm. Mm. Yeah, because she Sister becomes film. zombified, but like Wreck happens outside of her zombification. Mm. Yeah. The like middle movie is actually like her coming to terms with her being a zombie, yeah, and like finding, and like having another daughter, mm-hmm. mm. and figuring out how that all works. Because I mean, it's probably hard to be a mom if you're dead. Well, I don't know what are Hereda Land, Hereda Land, um. Herrek. <laughs> that's that's, that's just so the noise funny. that I internally made when you said that. Uh-huh. I like that Herrek. one. Herrek. Um, I don't know. I feel like the concept of home should tie into it a bit because she sort of relocates. Um, health. Homeopathy. I don't know what that is in real life, but hmm. I don't know most things or any stuff, so home on the range. Mm. Uh I don't know. Hereditary too? <laughs> home too sweet hereditary. Home sweet oh my god. <laughs> I like that one. What do you think? I don't know, man. <laughs> I say we go with home sweet home, my god. Can can you can you give it to us, Philip? Hmm. Give us a nice delivery of it. Of oh my god. Of oh my god. Oh my god. Wonderful. Oh my god. <laughs> All right. Do we have a title? I think so? What is it again? Home sweet home, my God. Mm. It's got a little bit of that like barfiness in it. That's true. That, that fear. It's very Stefan-esque <laughs> in how you have to pronounce it. Mm. Right, and I think it relates to all three films. Yeah. Because they're in their home, and then uh, so much death, <laughs> and, then, and uh, the cold, and oh, uh, my God. And then they're in their quarantine area. Yeah. It's their it's their house and or even largely it's Manuela's Barcelona and then home sweet. Oh my god. Yeah. And then and there's so many homes like within that building. Yeah, and that's too. like that's yeah. like how I personally react every time that I see a bee on me. Right, I'm right. Like, oh right. Jesus. Right, and, right. And like you get the willies with the ethical conundrum mm. of when they like film her and her mother dying. For mm-hmm. years. Yeah. Home sweet. Oh my god. Oh my god. All right. That would mm. be coming to Honeyland th- 2. Mom's not really dead. Honeyland 2, step up to the streets. Oh, God. <laughs> so I, I say, I think that 
home sweet home oh my god got um about seven out of ten b's on imbb what do you guys think that that's reaching a little bit <laughs> what what scale do you think that they're using once this movie comes out hmm honestly i don't think it's going to get above a 25 percent on rotten tomatoes mm. on rotten b betas no. <laughs> however tony collette's agent please contact us we would be more than happy to make this movie right we are all delighted to write for you tony all right. We got 10 minutes left. I think we have time to talk about upcoming Bijou stuff. Maybe recommend mm -hmm. or warn about a film each. Sound good? Yeah. All right. This is uncharted territory. Um, I will start. I will recommend Vox Lux, which played at Film Scene in January. This is... A very surprising recommend. It is very good. It currently has, I believe, a 50% on Rotten Tomatoes, mm -hmm. which I feel is 50% too low. <laughs> good old Natalie Portman. She's incredible she in it. Oh my god, I, I saw my first clip from Black Swan the other day. and You've it's... never seen Black Swan? No, I've don't judge me. Swan. I'm a film student. What? I've never seen a movie. And <laughs> it's the part where she's got like the red eyes and she like hisses at the camera and it's like, mm -hmm. oh my God. She actually sounds like a goose. It, she looks like it. Her <laughs> head looks like it's photoshopped on like the entire thing. That movie is very, it, that movie's great. Anyway, I'll, you continue to talk about Vox Lux. You talk about Vox Lux. I have never <laughs> seen Black Swan. However, Vox Lux got robbed for best original song two times over. Twice. Um, because two of the songs in it were way better than Shallow. Uh, it has great performances. It's very well written. Willem Dafoe narrates it, and it's brilliant, and nobody likes it, and I'm very disappointed. What about Willem Dafriend? <laughs> my, my, my. All right. I'm just Phil. in a mood. <laughs> recommend us a movie. Or warn us. I'm going to recommend and warn you about Black Swan. Oh, dang. brought it up. Uh, I recommend it because... One, Natalie Portman. Two, Barbara Hershey. Three, Mila Kunis. Mm. I mean, let's go, folks. Like, <laughs> come on. Come on. Um, and if you like Swan Lake as much as I do, the soundtrack is great. Wonderful. <laughs> a little distorted in some places because, you know, horror, but very good. Um, it kind of does like the whole, if you saw Us, um, the dance scene at the end with kind of like, the distortion of the Nutcracker. Mm -hmm. Really? It does something similar with um, Swan Lake. Interesting. Swan, and I really enjoy that. Um, and then, because, you know, music is so rich, like, in horror, um, you do can do a lot with it uh, to scare the pants off people um, or kind of lure them into a sense of security before you scare the pants off of them. And I think it does that really well in Black Swan with its, with its soundtrack. Um, and there's a whole lot of dream sequency stuff and that's really cool and as a Virgo I have to say the kind <laughs> of theme around um, perfectionism is really clear to me <laughs> and I'm just like well that's that's that what's your moon cancer I'm a sad boy <laughs> <laughs> also there's so many memes from that movie too like I don't know if you've seen the one where um, Natalie Portman's scrubbing like Oh, a lipstick written horror off of the yeah off of the um, off of a mirror. Great scene. 
<laughs> all yep. right. Emily. So I will recommend one of my favorite movies of all time. It's called I Don't Feel at Home in This World Anymore. And if you haven't heard of it, really all you need to know is that um, Elijah Wood has a rat tail. Elijah Wood has a rat tail. And that's first hairy feet, now a rat tail. It's, it's You brought up the hairy feet. Um it's really good. It's about this um depressed woman who gets robbed and so she tracks down the person that robbed her alongside Elijah Wood, who is incredible. I have nothing but good things to say about him. Elijah Wood, if you would like for me to write for you, let me know. Um I highly would recommend it's very bittersweet and happy and it plays with your emotions and I I love it a lot. Awesome. All right. So now for the bijou part of the podcast, uh, I'm going to talk. Ooh. Yeah. We're going to talk about some upcoming events that are upcoming. <laughs> uh, so this Saturday we have perfect, Blue playing at the Chauncey location for After Hours, mm-hmm. which there will be stronger trigger warnings than there were. We'll have for... an RVAP representative as well. Yes. We apologize for Wayward Cloud. That was a mistake. Um, and then, so that's going to be a good time mm-hmm. or a time with a good movie. And then Tuesday for the first film forum at the Chauncey, uh, we're playing Caniba which is a Jap- not a Japanese documentary, but a documentary about a Japanese cannibal. And we've got a great panel lined up, and it's going to be great, and I highly recommend you go. Um, Sounds great. I'll be there, Calvin. Fantastic. <laughs> and who knows? We might even talk about one of those on Banter next week. Wow. Uh, late Shift at the Grindhouse this week, which isn't technically Bijou, but I'm going to plug anyway because... It's so beautiful. It's mm-hmm. such a good time. Always. Uh, it's The Fog by John Carpenter, which is at 10 p.m. Mm-hmm. at the Chauncey Building as well. Oh, the times for the other ones. I'm really <laughs> scatterbrained. Uh, the time for After Hours is at 10. The time for Forum slash Horizons is at 6. They're both at the Chauncey Building. We'll have a table if you're confused at where to go. You can ask us. And then our next After Hours, I don't know what it is, nor do I know what the next Horizons is. However, I'm sure they're both very good movies. We'll Uh, we'll know more next week. The rain is messing with us today. I will, however, say that the next forum event, which will be in two weeks from Tuesday, is Punk the Capital. Yes. Where we have the drummer from a famous punk band who's going to talk about the film afterwards. I forget. Get what band he played for. Another thing that we'll mention next week, I suppose. (laughs) But it's going to be a great time. Tickets are going quick. Yeah. So Bring your hair gel, your mm -hmm. spikes, your leather. Do what you wish. And yeah, and there's a punk show at Gabe's afterwards. So we highly recommend that as well. All right. So that has been Bijou Banter for this week. My name is Calvin. I'm Philip. I am, for the moment, Emily. And thank you all for listening. Enjoy the show.